Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, I am Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Roto World Football Podcast, and I will be joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, as well as the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column, as well as Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for week eight of the fantasy football season. Before we get to that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show, it helps us in the rankings, and we very, very much appreciate it. With that out of the way, Let's get to it. What's going on, Rich? What's going on, Ray? Here we are, man. Week eight already, which is kind of, you know, hard to believe when we start to get these numbers. You know, it's like, well, it's week six. It still feels early. But now week eight, that feels like dead center. Like we're already here. And, you know, if you've got a leagues out there where you're kind of looking at some things and you're kind of like, well, I'm, I, I can still make some moves. I mean, you probably can't, or you know, at this point. Uh, but, you know, here we are with the, our heaviest bye week as well. You know, six teams are on bye this week. It's kind of... A not great week when I went to rank running backs. I was like pretty shocked at where I had to put guys. I was like, oh, there's nowhere else for this guy to go. So I mean, yeah, it's it's like basically a make or break week if you're sitting at like four or five losses. Like you've really got to start like winning games. It's one of those weeks where you end up having Matt Forte way higher than you ever want to have <laughs> Matt Forte in your rankings. But hey, he doesn't have a bad matchup. That's that's kind of where we are. The Thursday night game, you mentioned, you know, the six teams on by. The Thursday night game is also not great. I made a promise after the Rams and 49ers game to not complain about Thursday night football anymore. A promise which, you know, has been pretty easy to keep recently. There've been a lot, string of good games. They've made it much more difficult this week. This game has a 37 and a half point total. Miami and Baltimore are two teams which are happy to slow down the p- pace in close games. The Dolphins have are 31st and seconds per play in close games. The Ravens are 32nd. So if this game stays close, as we kind of think it will, there might not be that many plays. All of that points to a pretty dull game, but there has to be some fantasy value here, right? I mean, there's there's not a lot here. I mean, like you said, these are these are these two teams rank 32nd and 31st in yards from scrimmage per game as offenses. So we really reached the bottom of the barrel here in this matchup. But like you said, we we thought that about the Rams and 49ers possibly at that time. So we'll give it a chance, and we're all going to be here. Uh, I would say, like you know, on paper, there you know, Jay Ajayi has a pretty good matchup. I mean, he's had other good matchups so far this year, and he just hasn't shown an RB one type ceiling. But he's got twenty six or more touches now in the last three games, so you know he's going to get the ball a lot. There, you, there was kind of like the, this feeling that maybe the Ravens' defense is 
run defense was just bad because I was missing Brandon Williams, but it just turns out that it, it probably is just, in fact, bad at this point. They're, they're allowing 169 rushing yards per game over the past five weeks. When he came back last week, they got run on all over by the ghost of Latavius Murray. So, I mean, it's... I mean, we, we probably look at those opening two games when they just forced a ton of turnovers and played the Bengals and Browns and, and, and kind of throw those out. And when they're not forcing turnovers as a defense, they're just, and teams can, can, can stay in the game on them, they're able to just run the football down their throats continuously. So, I mean, we talked about it, the landscape, the running back landscape. So, I mean, I think you're firmly playing, you know, a Jai and confidently playing him. The Dolphins are the only team without a rushing touchdown on the season. They just really haven't been knocking on the door in terms of red zone opportunities. And then you still got to feel good about, you know, Jarvis Landry, what he's doing. I mean, even if Devontae Parker plays, it only helps Landry more because it'll move him into the slot more where, you know, the, the Bengals are far, or the Ravens are far more uh, vulnerable on the interior of Ladarius Webb there in the slot than they are on the boundary receivers. They've only allowed three top 40 wide receivers on the season. So I think a lot of people, if Parker's out, will still be reaching for Kenny Stills and his splits with Matt Moore. But, I mean, it's a dicey spot for, for Stills, I think. Yeah, you, you mentioned Landry. I mean, the overall numbers don't look great for Landry, but you mentioned it. In the slot, they have they have given up some, you know, they've given up some games. Rashard Higgins went mm-hmm. seven for 95. Alan Hearns got a touchdown. Smith Schuster had a touchdown. Jarius Wright had a pretty good game playing out of the slot last week. So this is not... This is not a terrible spot for Jarvis Landry, especially with Parker, you know, likely still hobbled. He's probably still going to be hurt even if he plays. More tar- Matt Moore targeted Jarvis Landry on eight of his throws last week. I think that Landry's fine. You mentioned Steel- Stills. You're, it feels point chasey. He has, you know, three red zone targets in the last two games. Maybe there's something there. It would be a good matchup for a tight end, but you know, good luck with good luck with Julius Thomas for <laughs> sure. Over at Baltimore, I mean, I don't think you can touch this passing game. I just at this point, with the way that Flacco's playing, he has three games with zero touchdowns, just one with more than one touchdown. He's not top 200 yards in two games. It's it's not a great spot, especially if they're not going to be forced to throw much. So I, I'm not excited. Maybe you take a shot on Ben Watson, but he hasn't topped 45 yards since week two. He does have five targets inside the 10 this year, including four in the last three games. He has been usable in PPR, so maybe... Maybe that that gives you something, but other than that, I think I'm avoiding this passing game entirely, right? Yeah, there's no one here I'm reaching for. I think the only guy that you can like semi like feel decent about playing is Buck Allen. That's really about it. And we're talking PPR formats as well for him. I mean, he's just kind of consistently been like flex worthy or higher. You kind of touched on Ben Watson. He's kind of just been like half of what Dennis Pitto was last year, you know, basically. And Dennis yeah. Pitto was just kind of really like just there last year. He caught a lot of passes, but like really never had a high ceiling, never really got a lot of yardage. So, I mean, yeah, Buck Allen, I mean... If both Wallace and Perriman don't clear concussion protocol and Macklin's back, maybe like a flyer, just given how poor the Dolphins team has been defensively. But I'm not really, like you said, it's it's all just reaching, like just based on matchup. And these are guys that haven't, you know, shown bright in any type of match they've had at, at all, all season. So you can't even really use the matchup as a crutch to prop them up. Yeah, it's just avoid. And I, I am on Buck Allen. I mean, I think he's averaging five catches a game over his last six, so... That's there, but it's not a good matchup either. Miami has been very good against the run so far this year. So, and I, I had been trying to talk myself into Alex Collins, but just no catches, no red zone work, nope. not a game he's going to get a lot of volume. You know what? What's the upside? So, yeah, <laughs> I don't think we painted a pretty picture of this game, but you know, watch it. We're, Matt, I, we're all still listen, watch it, right? You are the uh, Matt Moore aficionado, so you'll be here. I know that you'll be here for this game. Yeah, it's really tough for me because. <laughs> Long-time readers of Roto World will know the the 
quasi joke. It's kind of a joke, but it's kind of not a joke that I think Matt Moore is actually pretty good quarterback. Like I think he could start for lots of teams. Not like he's a top 15 quarterback or anything, but I think he's fine. Sure. And I'd like to be able to play him in fantasy when he's when he's playing instead of Jay Cutler. And then you look at the schedule and oh, it's a short week with the Ravens. So what do you what are you gonna do? But let's get on to your worksheet column. As I say every week, your worksheet column is a must read. Make sure you go and uh, and give it a look before you set your lineups. And let's get started with Andy Dalton, who very unsurprisingly struggled in a bad matchup in Pittsburgh last week. But things get a lot easier this week with the Colts coming to town. A matchup which should put him back in the streaming conversation, right? Yeah, Dalton was a, one, you know, a popular late-round quarterback pick this summer, you know, but between the offensive losses, coordinator change, and what has largely been one of the hardest schedules in the league, he's unfortunately sitting at QB 28 now and overall scoring QB 27 in points per game through seven weeks. There's a break through the clouds, though, as you alluded to this week, as the Bengals draw the Colts at home. Indianapolis has allowed 222 points. That's the most in the league. Uh, the most they've allowed through seven games in franchise history, uh, you know, Baltimore and Indianapolis. Uh, they're allowing 300, uh, 310.9 passing yards per game to opposing passers. That's 31st in the league. They've allowed 295 or more passing yards to every single quarterback, except for Deshaun Kaiser, who still posted 23 fantasy points against them. Uh, and the, the Colts are giving up the long ball, too. I mean, 25.9% of the completions versus the Colts have gone for 20 or more yards. That's the highest rate in the league. It's a good week to get back on Dalton. You know, he's probably out there in a lot of leagues uh, this week, you know, b- based on what he's done so far in the schedule he's faced so far. Yeah, I think he was at 55% ownership at Yahoo when I did waiver. So I couldn't put him in the column mm-hmm. because that's that's higher than what I, you know, than what I allow the 50%. But yeah, he's out there in enough leagues that it makes sense to go and check if you need a quarterback in this bye week. And it's also important to note Dalton has not played the Colts since 2014. So if you, you know, look at the great work of Joe Goodberry, we know how much better Dalton has been with what they call uncommon opponents, so opponents that he doesn't play every year or every other year. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Let's move on to Deshaun Watson, who I think it's fair to call a fantasy darling mm-hmm. so far this season, coming out of the bye, but he gets perhaps his first real test this week in Seattle. Do you think he's going to pass it? Yeah, this is uh, this is a pretty interesting spot this week. I mean, he's the first rookie quarterback ever to throw three or more touchdown passes in three straight games. He's thrown a touchdown pass once every 11.6 pass attempts. That's best in the league. Where he's really stacking his points is near the paint. I mean, Watson leads the entire league in fantasy points scored inside the 10-yard line. DeAndre Hopkins actually ranks second. He's the biggest the biggest beneficiary from, from Watson stacking all his points. But just getting to the red zone against Seattle has been a chore. Opposing teams have run just 26 plays inside the red zone against Seattle, five plays from inside the 10, and just two plays inside the five. Those are all league lows. They're allowing a touchdown pass once every 43.2 pass attempts, which is the third best rate in the league. Uh, now Seattle, they really have faced a great group of offenses outside of the Packers and you know the Rams. I mean, we, have, we actually have to really call the Rams like a, a good offense now. It, it's it's pretty real. Uh, but they've they've built in a, they have a built-in cachet of being a good defense. It's not like we can just look at the Seattle schedule and say they're elevated by the schedule they face. It's actually a really good defense as well. I mean, since Pete Carroll has been with Seattle, starting rookie quarterbacks have a one and six record with eight touchdowns and eight interceptions. Those guys are averaging 172 passing yards per game with a high of just 218 on the road in Seattle. We know regression is inevitably going to set in at some point for Watson's 
TD rate, and this spot looks as good as any for that touchdown rate to come down, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have to run and hide either. He's going to still get you production with his legs. I would still start him. I ended up having him, I think it's QB9 this week uh, when, I, when I set rankings. Um, I would still start him. Very similar to Alex Smith versus Denver this weekend. You don't have to run and hide, but it's a, a lot of good nuggets there about the matchup and, the, and his own great play, which has carried teams you know, to wins you know, in the, th- the past three weeks he's played. You had him a little lower. I think I have him QB 10 or 11. But yeah, you're still playing him. Like it's still it's still a situation you're playing him. And like you mentioned, it's his legs. He's going to be able to continue to produce fantasy points with his legs. And as long as that continues, it's you know somebody you're going to be able to use even in bad matchups. Let's move on to the Carolina wide receivers, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, who both disappointed a little bit last week, but they have a great matchup against the Bucks this Sunday. Are you expecting a bounce back? Yeah, the, the, the Cam Coaster has been in full effect so far yeah. this season. You know, with, uh, this sets up for a good spot for the Carolina passing game to hit a high note. Uh, the first aspect of liking the par- Carolina passing attack is they just can't run the football outside of Cam Newton doing anything. Uh, Panthers running backs have now carried 149 times for 419 yards. It's 2.8 yards per carry. It's the fewest amount of rushing yards and the yards per carry for any backfield in the entire league. Uh, I don't even think a struggling a matchup versus a struggling Bucks can awaken their run game either. I mean, their offensive line isn't good, and they just have no cohesion running the football. But Tampa Bay has been gashed, you know, by wide receivers so far. They're allowing the most receptions and yardage per game to the position. They've allowed double-digit PPR points to 13 different wide receivers in the season, and they've already had a bye. So that's they're tied for the league lead, but the other teams have all played one more game than them. Uh, the Colts and Patriots are the other teams. Uh, we know the Carolina usage tree in the past game runs thin uh, after Christian McCaffrey. Both Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches occupy a little over 40% of the targets weekly, and the spot just couldn't get better. Uh, the only way it could get better is if it were at home. So, I mean, I would fire up Benjamin and Funches confidently off of a down week. Yeah, and I think that Kelvin Benjamin has pretty quietly been fairly consistent. Mm-hmm. Aside from the game that he left early in week three, he has at least 65 yards or a touchdown in every game since week two. I, I think that he has big upside in this matchup. We know that he's consistent. I Yeah, I, I like Kelvin Benjamin a lot. Finally, let's get on to Kyle Rudolph. Had his you know resurgence the last three games, averaging over eight targets and five catches over that span. However, there there are rumors that Stephon Diggs, he, you know, he traveled with the team to London. There's a chance he could return this week. If that happens, can you still trust Kyle Rudolph? Yeah, Rudolph has been a guy, he's been a disappointment for his ADP, you know, especially since the Vikings can actually run the football this season. Um, but it's a spot to take a shot at scoring this week, scoring upside this week. You know, even I think if Diggs plays, but we'll walk through it. I mean, opposing teams target their wide receivers 46.6% of the time versus Cleveland. That's the lowest rate in the entire NFL. Opposing teams target their tight ends 33% of the time versus the Browns, which is the highest rate in the NFL. Rudolph has been targeted now on 28% of his routes over the past three weeks after receiving a target on 13.7 of his routes after the first four weeks. Now that kind of syncs up with Diggs, but it also syncs up with Diggs played that first week two of that stretch and the Vikings came out and said they wanted to get him more involved. So it could be like a, a column A, column B thing. We don't know until everyone's back because Rudolph is a guy that did have a success when they were all you know involved last year. Um, he does have the 25 targets over the past three games, five catches or more in all those games. And the Browns have a lot of double-digit PPR points, the six of the seven starting tight ends they face this season. Diggs did travel the team. It does remove shine off the opportunity no matter how we want to slice it. Uh, but I still think even if Diggs plays, Rudolph's probably going to be like around like the fringe like tight end one cutoff, like probably that tight end 11, tight end, like tight end 11 to tight end 14 range, even if Diggs plays. You said that, you know, in that Bears game that Diggs played, that was true, but he hurt himself pretty early. 
He was kind of in and out of that game. I think he only had like four targets in that game. That it's There's a pretty clear line of demarcation there. And this is very similar to a situation we saw last week with Austin Hooper, in which Austin Hooper suddenly started getting a lot more targets. Well, what happened? Well, it just so happened that Mohamed Sanu got hurt in the game. He started to see targets, was out the other game he saw targets. And then Mohamed Sanu comes back. And what happens to Austin Hooper? He disappears again. I worry that's what we're going to see with Kyle Rudolph. I know for a fact I'm going to have Kyle Rudolph ranked lower than where you where you mentioned than probably most people. I, I, there's a big concern here with it for me. But as you said, they also said they wanted to get him more involved. So maybe this is maybe this is a different situation. But it is certainly one that concerns me. Yeah, and a guy like Hooper, like he Rudolph has just immense more touchdown upside than that situation. So even if the targets do go away. And say he only because like a four or five catch guy, the tight end position, he still has high scoring odds against the Browns, you know, as opposed to like a a fringe player like Hooper. Yeah, and getting to play the Browns. Although I guess Hooper played the Patriots. This is a very now that I'm going through it, this is a very similar situation. So we'll we'll have to see how it works out. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember you can find his worksheet column on rotoworld.com as we speak. It's certainly something you should read every week for setting your lineup. You can also find him on Twitter, at Lord Reeves, and I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. And we are back with Nick Minzio, who writes Stardom and Sidem over at rotoworld.com every week. Make sure you give that a read. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Ray? Good to be back, man. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting day. We record this on a Wednesday, so by tomorrow... I could either be very happy or very upset about my Astros. How do you think it's going to go? Uh, I'm liking I'm liking Verlander's chances tonight. So I guess we'll find out tomorrow when when this comes out. But I'm I'm liking Verlander a lot. I, I like I like to put you on the record. We should just do a this should just be all a World Series breakdown. People would be very excited about that. <laughs> so let's get started with I think my favorite streaming tight end this week, Tyler Croft. So I was very happy when you sent me over the guys you want to talk about that he was a guy that you like this week. What you know? What's pushing you towards starting him? Yeah, I mean, in the four games since Croft took over as the Bengals' top tight end, he's seen target totals of four, five, seven, and four while playing ninety-three percent of the offensive snaps. I mean, the volume isn't great, but he he scored three touchdowns in that span and is clearly always on the field. I mean, that ninety-three percent of the snaps is huge when we're looking for streamers so the boxes to check when looking for a tight end streamer like we said are are they on the field and do they catch touchdowns and Croft checks both those boxes the Colts just lost ball hawking first round rookie free safety Malik Hooker to a torn ACL last week and the Colts were already getting uh torn apart by tight ends before that uh I think they were ninth they've allowed the ninth most fantasy points to the position coming into week eight and the Bengals implied team total of 25.75 points is the fifth highest of the week and I mean, there's going to be fantasy points scored on the Bengals' end, so I'll, I'll take my chances with Croft. Yeah, you mentioned the touchdown. I'll even go further. He has four red zone targets in three games, including two inside the 10. You're right. If you want a streaming tight end, you want them to score touchdowns, and it looks like Croft has kind of taken that mantle from Tyler Eifert, so we'll, we'll see what he's able to do. Let's move on to the Patriots' backfield, which has been a quagmire all season, but it looks like Deion Lewis is carving out a bigger and bigger role every week. Will it be a fantasy-worthy role this week against the Chargers? Yeah, like you said, he's set season high in carries in back-to-back-to-back weeks, seen seven in week five, 11 in week six, and then 13 last Sunday night against the Falcons. He's eclipsed 50 yards rushing all three times, scored a goal line plunge touchdown against the Jets in week six. So he's apparently passed Mike Gillisley on the depth chart. The only downside really is Lewis hasn't seen those pass-catching chances as James White handles all that work for the Patriots, but 
the matchup looks ripe for him. Uh, the Chargers are 31st in rushing yards allowed per game and surrender 4.99 yards per carry to running backs. They're 27th in run defense DVOA as opposed to 8th against the pass. So I'm using Lewis as a flex wherever I have him. New England's 27.75 point implied team total is third highest of the week. So I think they're, obviously there's going to be fantasy points scored in this game and the Patriots are always in play at home. Yeah, and he's getting those red zone looks at least. One red zone carry in each of the last four games. I guess six inside the 10 over that span. I mean, I think you are, I think that you're going to like him a lot this week. Someone I was surprised to see on your sit list was Marvin Jones, who looks like he's going to be the number one with Golden Tate likely to miss this game. We think, although Golden Tate practiced on Wednesday, so we'll see what happens. What don't you like about Marvin Jones this week? Yeah, I mean, he's 10th among all receivers of the past four weeks and seen nine targets per game, but. 14 of those came in week six against the against the Saints at the Superdome. Matthew Stafford threw it 52 times that game. That's about 15 to 18 more passes than he normally attempts in a week. The Steelers are number two in total team defense, number one in pass yards allowed, number one against opposing receivers and fantasy points allowed. And Joe Hayden's yet to allow a touchdown in, in his coverage. Former first-rounder Artie Burns on the opposite sides, pro football focuses, number 21 cover corner. I just don't expect a lot of fancy points to be scored in this game. Uh, not a lot of real points to be scored in this game. So even if Golden Tate doesn't play, I, I still don't like Jones in this spot. I mean, I think Theo Riddick could probably take over more of Tate's role. Maybe some Eric Ebron, Darren Fells over the middle. I mean, I'm kind of giving up on the ghost of Eric Ebron here, but I just don't expect Jones to have a big game in this spot. Yeah, I think the Riddick one is a good call. If Tate doesn't play, I'll probably bump Riddick up a few spots. And then Galladay, I mean, Galladay being back is a concern, certainly for Marvin Jones from a touchdown perspective is a concern and it's not a good matchup. So yeah, I, I think that I will probably have Marvin Jones ranked lower than, than everybody else does this week. Finally, we'll talk about Duke Johnson, who has been a better fantasy asset than at least I anticipated this season. I think than most people anticipated this season, but you don't like him this week against the Vikings. Why? Yeah, he's only seen double-digit touches in the game two of seven times. Two of seven times the Browns have played the season. He's obviously very clearly the Browns' best back and maybe the team's best offensive skill player, but it's just impossible to trust guys like him on such shot on such shallow volume in an offense that doesn't score points. The Vikings are number two in fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. They've yielded the ninth fewest catches to the position for the fifth fewest yards. And Minnesota is tied with Denver and Cincinnati with the fewest touchdowns allowed running backs at only two while the Broncos and Bengals have each played one more game. So I could see the Browns not even flirting with the end zone again in this game. Deshaun Kaiser turns it over too much in the red zone. Uh, I just, I don't like the spot at all for Duke. Yeah, I, you mentioned it. At some point they have to realize that he's their best running back, that Duke Johnson's their best running back. Hasn't happened yet. Doesn't seem to be on the way. And so that means that, yeah, this is not a, a great spot for him. Thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio. You can also follow Rich at Lord Reeves. You can find me at RM Summerlin. Do not forget to rate and review wherever you find the podcast. Do not forget to read the worksheet. Do not forget to read Stardom and Sidem. And we will be back to talk to you next week. Thank you. 
Meats and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.